This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. What I want to talk about today is, you know, fatherhood, a wonderful investment. And that's what fatherhood really is. It's an investment. Charles Francis Adams, the 19th century political figure and diplomat, he kept a diary. And one day he entered, went fishing with my son today. He went fishing. Do I have my fishing bowl here? Yes. He said he went fishing with his son today. Uh, let me see here. Should I set this up properly? So he went fishing with his son. Ever been fishing? Well, that's what this dad said. He said, I went fishing with my son today. A day wasted. That's what he said. A day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary, which is still in existence today. And on that same day, Brooke Adams made this entry in his diary. Went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. Hmm. The father thought he was wasting his time while fishing with his son. But his son saw it as an investment of time. The only way to tell the difference between wasting and investing is to know one's ultimate purpose in life and to judge accordingly. And so we want to challenge, you know, we want to honor those men who have yielded to the call of fatherhood, who recognize it as a wonderful investment, not a wasting of time. Investment of time and energy and your resources into the life of a child or a young person younger than you are. Fatherhood, a wonderful investment. A father, he teaches kindness by being thoughtful and gracious, even at home. He teaches patience by being gentle and understanding over and over. He teaches honesty by keeping his promises to his family, even when it costs. He teaches courage by living unafraid with faith in all circumstances. He teaches justice by being fair and dealing equally with everyone. He teaches obedience to God's word by precept and example as he reads and prays daily with his family. He teaches love for God and his church as he takes his family regularly to church services. His steps are important because others are following. And I just want to honor and just thank you, dads, you who have the potential of being dads, you have had the heart of a dad, and you just kind of like father other people in your life. I just want to say thank you for the investment of time and energy and resources that you're making, the good things that you do for other young folks. The book of James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. 
You know what the first thing I said when I woke up this weekend? I said, hey, Papa God, happy Father's Day. And I meant it from the core of my being because he loves us. He's crazy about us. And he is our father and he teaches dads. He teaches fathers how to be a father. He says here, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. And he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us. We are not an accident, folks. Don't ever let the devil put that thought in your mind that you were an accident. You just popped into this world accidentally. That ain't so. He says he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. You and I, out of all creation, became God's prized possession, our heavenly father. And remember, remember, there are some who say, hey, spend time with your kids is a waste of time. And the other one says, it is a phenomenal investment. And that's what God does. He's investing in us because he's crazy about us. And we invest in our own kids because we're crazy about them. Think about it. Name some of your prized possessions. Think about it for just a moment. I don't know. Maybe, you know, oh, well, well, that's one of my prized possessions. I got oh, that's a real nice knife, you know. Maybe your prized possession is your, your fishing poles you've got thousands of fish on. You know, there's all kinds of things that can be your prized possession. But let me ask you, compare the value of that possession to the value of your children. Which is the most valuable? Kids, right off the top of the bat. First thing, most valuable thing you got is your children. You know, your prized possession. That's what the Bible says we are. And we, out of all creation, became his, Papa God's, prized possession. Dads, our children need to know that they are our prized possession. We may get occupied, preoccupied in life, but our children need to know they're our prized possessions. I needed to know from my dad that I was his prized possession. I needed that. We all do, you know. God does not substitute presence for his presence. When we are his prized possession, as our children are our prized possession, we want our presence to go with them. We, we, we want to be there with them. We want to be there for them. You know what I'm talking about? When our children are our prized possession and, and we invest our presence, means we show up. We show up. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, verse uh, 13, verse 5 through 6, it says, For God has said, I will never, never, ever, 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 never, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I'll be there is what God says. I will be there. It takes courage, dads, to be there. And God's been there for us. He goes on to say in verse 6, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. 
because God is my helper and he's there. He shows up for you and for me, you know. We need a strong anchor in this R-rated world in which we live. You understand? We need a strong anchor so we're not just blown and washed away. R-rated world. An R-rated home is dominated by R-resentment. An R-rated home is dominated by R-rebellion, by R-riotous living, R-rage, R-rudeness, R-rejection. An R-rated home is dominated by these things. And the prodigal son, he was caught up in many of those R-rated emotions. And he abandoned his father. He left just to, to live his life in a selfish, evil kind of a way. And his father worked hard at creating a G-rated home for his prodigal who ran away. And the son remembered it, how loving and kind his father was. Not perfect. And he came back during a time of famine when he was starved to death. He came back to a G-rated home, a godly home, a God-filled home. That's what I'm talking about. And our good works that we do, it honors, you know, our Father in heaven. And our good works honors our earthly dads, fathers as well. Listen to what it says in Matthew 5, 16. It says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Your good deeds will shine out and people will praise your Father because your good works honors your heavenly Father genuinely. And on a Father's Day, I think about it every year. My dad's been with the Lord about 20 years now. And I know the only way I can honor my father, you know, but I'm sure when I was younger, I dishonored him in lots of different ways. But as I come to, to have a little bit more wisdom in my older years, that my lifestyle, I can still honor my dad who's with the Lord today. I can honor him today by my lifestyle, by what I do. I can honor my heavenly father and I can honor my earthly father by what I do. Men of courage inspire courage in their sons and daughters. That's just the truth of it. Um, a legend of the Cherokee Indian youth rite of passage. His father takes him into the forest and blindfolds him and leaves him alone. He's required to sit on a stump the whole night and not remove the blindfold into the rays of the morning sun shine through. This is just an Indian tomahawk. That's why I have it here to let you imagine what the Indians were carrying for weaponry to defend themselves. He goes on to say, the article, he cannot cry out for help to anyone. And once he survives the night, this young man who is becoming a man, once he survives the night, he is a man. He cannot tell the other boys of this experience because each lad must come into manhood on his own. 
The boy is naturally terrified. He can hear all kinds of noises. Wild beasts must surely be all around him. Maybe even some human might do him harm. The wind blew the grass and earth, and it shook his stump, but he sat stoically, never removing the blindfold. It would be the only way he could become a man. And finally, after a horrific night, the sun appeared and he removed his blindfold. And it was then that he discovered his father sitting on the stump next to him. He had been at watch, guarding the entire night, protecting his son from harm. We too are never alone. Even when we don't know it, our Heavenly Father, Papa God, is watching over us, sitting on the stump beside us. And when trouble comes, all we have to do is reach out to Him. Our Papa God is always there with us, even when it feels like you're on your own, even when you feel like you're by yourself. He is there with us. You know, this Cherokee Father. He stood guard, and he taught his son courage. His son thought he went through the whole night all alone by himself, and he sat there stoically, did what he was supposed to do. But his dad was there to protect him from any danger that would come his way. So he learned courage, and he learned to honor his dad. A wish for closeness. A letter written during World War II by a father to his soldier son, he said, Dear son, I wish I had the power to write the thoughts wedged in my heart tonight as I sit watching that small star and wondering where and how you are. You know, son, it's a funny thing how close a war can really bring a father who for years with pride has kept emotions deep inside. I'm sorry, son, when you were small, I let reserve build up that wall. I told you real men never cried, and it was mom who always dried your tears and smoothed your hurts away so that you soon went back to play. But son, deep down within my heart, I long to have some little part in drying that small tear-stained face, but we were men men don't embrace. And suddenly I found my son, a full-grown man with childhood done. Tonight you're far across the sea, fighting away for men like me. Well, somehow pride and what is right have changed places here tonight. I find my eyes won't stay quite dry and that men sometimes really cry. And if we stood here face to face, I'm sure my son, we would embrace. You know, children, we become so much wiser. We become so much wiser as the days pass by. Dads, we become so much wiser as the days pass by. That's just the truth of it. The greatest gift I ever received was one Christmas when my dad gave me a small box. Inside was a note saying, Son, this year 
I will give you 365 hours, an hour every day after dinner. It's yours. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. We'll go where you want to go. Play what you want to play. It will be your hour. My dad not only kept his promise, but every year he renewed it. And it's the greatest gift I had, I ever had in my life. I am the result of his time. When I was four years old, my daddy can do anything. Five years old, my daddy knows a whole lot. Six years old, my dad is smarter than your dad. Eight years old, my dad doesn't know exactly everything. Ten years old, in the olden days when my dad grew up, things were sure different. Twelve years old, oh, well, naturally, dad doesn't know anything about that. He's too old to remember his childhood, 14 years old. Don't pay any attention to my dad. He's so old-fashioned, 21 years old. Him? My Lord, he's hopelessly out of date. 25 years old. Dad knows about it, but then he should because he's been around so long. 30 years old. Maybe we should ask Dad what he thinks. After all, he's had a lot of experience. 35 years old. I'm not doing a single thing until I talk to Dad. 40 years old. I wonder how Dad would have handled it. He was so wise. And when you're 50 years old, I'd give anything if Dad were here now so I could talk this over with him. Too bad I didn't appreciate how smart he was. I could have learned a lot from him. We change as we get older. Kids do. I'll be honest with you. Dads change as they get older. And I do believe they'll get wiser. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. It says, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, dads, don't give them a stone. Do you give them a stone? No. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if, if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, your Papa God, give good gifts to those who ask? Because your Papa God, he's crazy about you. God, your heavenly Father, he loves you. And that's how we learn to be a dad from him. And we sure ain't quite got it all right. We make mistakes along the way. But he's a great role model because he loves us so very, very much. More sky than man, dads can see. More seas than we can sail. More sun than we can bear to watch. And more stars than we can scale. More breath than we can breathe. More Yield than we can sow, more grace than we can comprehend, more love than we can know. Remember the, one of the songs that they sang in the beginning? Our worship team did a great job. The reckless love of God. He is reckless with his love toward us. He has created unbelievable things. Billions of dollars worth of God's creation just to show his love for you. That's what I'm talking about. Psalms 139, verse 7. 
It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go to get away from God? Where can I flee from your presence? Question mark. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me <coughs> and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. See, God can see in the dark and you'll never be away from God. You may turn your back on Father God for a season, but he's still there. And we ever look around, say, Lord, I need you. He's there. His presence is always with us because he's crazy about us. He genuinely is. During World War II, the famous American pilot, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, was flying on a special mission to the Pacific Islands and the plane crashed. And Rickenbacker and his crew were lost at sea for 21 days. Rickenbacker wrote of the experience. In the beginning, many of the men were atheists or agnostics. But at the end of the terrible ordeal, each discovered God. Each man found God in the vast, empty loneliness of the ocean. Each man found salvation and strength in prayer and a community of feeling developed, which created a liveliness of human fellowship and worship and a sense of a gentle peace. See, a believer finds safety not in the absence of danger, not in the absence of danger, but we find safety in the presence of our Father God who cares for us. We live in a dangerous world. We, we recognize that sometimes better than others, but the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, is what makes a difference. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Then the man, that was Adam, and his wife, Eve, heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And that's what God wants to do with you and me. He wants to walk with us in the cool of the day. He'll take the hot of the day. He'll take the middle of the night or the, the you know, whenever but God enjoys fellowship and camaraderie. Our heavenly Papa God, our heavenly Father, he loves walking with us and us talking to him and pouring our heart out to him. And it says that he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and, and they, Adam and Eve, hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? Now God knew exactly where they was at. But he was asking, hey, where are you at? Why are you hiding from me? And it's because they had sinned. And see, sin causes us to hide from our Father, God. But you can't never hide from him. The truth of it is the presence of God, oh, what a comfort it is to believers and what a terror it is to sinners. It just, it just rattles our cage when we're trying to get away from him. But when you love him, his presence is such a fantastic comfort. And you can hide in him the same way Daniel hid in his relationship with God and the lions couldn't touch him. 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they hid in the relationship with God and the fire couldn't touch them. You can hide in your relationship with God, but you can't hide from him. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, that resurrection power. Since, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts or your affections on things above. Set your affections on heavenly things. What God says in his word and those who have passed on ahead of us, set your hearts and your affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. That's the heavenly things. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on the earthly things. Don't get caught up in just earthly stuff. It'll soon pass. Set your minds on things above, not on the earthly things, for you died to the old sinful nature that can never be satisfied. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. God has brought us out of that sin and that bondage because he loves us, and he desires company and fellowship with us. Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. It says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? You understand the temple of God? Listen to what the Bible says. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, this is right here in your Bible, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's talking about us. God says, I'm going to live with them. They are the temple of God. I'm going to live with them and be with them and, and walk with them. And then he says in verse 17, therefore come out from them. Come out from the sinful lifestyle. Come out from the sinful ways and be separate, says the Lord, and touch, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. Verse 18, I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We honor fathers today. And we are so thankful for all the dads who see being fatherhood as an investment. And we honor our Heavenly Father, who everything He's done is an investment for us. When my small when my son was small, we often walked together out through the fields and neighboring pastures behind the parsonage. At first, the little fellow would hold on to my little finger, but he found that when he stepped into a hoof print or stumbled over something, his grip would fail and down he'd go into the dust or snow. Not giving it much thought, my mind on other matters, I'd stop and he'd get up, brush himself off, and grab my little finger again, gripping a little harder this time. Needless to say, this occurred frequently, frequently, until one day as he was brushing himself off, he looked at me and he said, Daddy, I think if you would hold my hand, I wouldn't fall no more. Pastor Temple then turned to me and with a tear in his eye, 
he said, because that little boy was him, you know, he still stumbled many times after that, but he never hit the ground. Now, as you walk with God, don't try to hold on to him only, but let him hold on to you. You may stumble, but he'll never let you fall. When you walk in your kids and they stumble, you just kind of fly them over that stump, fly them over that hole, fly them over that little rock there. Because God can hold on to us even better than we can hold on to him. So think less of the power of things against you and think more of the power of Christ within you. What's behind us and, and what's ahead of us means little when you stop and you think about what's within us. Almighty God. What does it tell us at Christmas time? You remember that word? Emmanuel. And what does that mean? God is with us. He's crazy about us. He loves us. He's prepared a place in heaven for us. God is not an absentee father. He is present with us. Never will he leave us or forsake us. Never will he abandon us. So are you aware of Father God's presence with you? Are you conscious of wherever you go all your life long that God is there? He's present with you. Genesis chapter 28 verse 15 says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Are you aware of the presence of your heavenly father 24-7? because he's there with you, because he loves you, he cares about you, just waiting for you to reach out to him, to ask him, to take a walk with him, to speak to him, you know. But due to so much divorce and separation and abandonment, many hearts have been hurt and crushed, and they have no real hope that anybody would really ever stick with them because of circumstances in their life. Therefore, many people are unaware of God's promise to always be there. But that's what he promises. God doesn't just send a promise of help or an angel, but he says his presence to help us is there in all of our times of need. Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, it says, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Psalms 46, verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God is. Father God, Papa God, he is there with us, always is, always ready to help us in our time of need. If we're a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter and we run from God, he is there looking for us and waiting for us and to accept us to forgive us because he's crazy about us because he loves us. That's the truth of it. In all the battles of life, God's presence, it gives us courage and it gives us hope. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. It says, For the Lord is your God. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you 
against your enemies to give you, what's that word? To give you victory. This is your heavenly father. And on this weekend, of all weekends, we honor fatherhood. We honor the fathers, the men who've had children. We honor the, those who have the heart of a father and they just father all the little guys and gals around them though they have no flesh and blood of their own, but they've got that heart. So we honor our heavenly father and we honor earthly fathers. We honor fatherhood. It's awesome. It is wonderful. It's the way God has set it up. One Sunday on their way home from church, a little girl turned to her mother and said, Mommy, the preacher's sermon this morning confused me. And the mother said, oh, why is that? And the little girl replied, well, he said that God is bigger than we are. Is that true, mommy? The mother replied, yes, that's true, honey. And he also said that God lives in us. Is that true, mommy? And again, the mother replied, yes, well, yes. Well, said the little girl, if God is bigger than us, and he lives in us, wouldn't he show through? <laughs> wouldn't people see God in our lives if he's bigger than we are and he lives in us? Can God be seen through your life? If we've welcomed him into our life, can he be seen in our words and our actions? Can he be seen in you? As we honor our earthly fathers, and we honor fatherhood today, this whole weekend. We honor our heavenly father. Can he be seen? Because our lifestyle is what honors our earthly fathers, even if they've already gone to be with the Lord. And our lifestyle is what honors our heavenly father as well. What, do, what does our heavenly father do? It's what earthly fathers have learned. Our Heavenly Father, he pardons us. He forgives us. That's what our earthly, uh, Heavenly Father does for us, and he provides. What does he provide? My Bible says he provides all that you need. That's our Heavenly Father. And, and earthly fathers learn that, and they work as hard as they can to provide their children with all that they need. Our Heavenly Father is a protector from every evil thing. As Earthly fathers protect their children as best as they can from every, you know, evil thing. Our Heavenly Father is a promise keeper. And we got a whole book of coupons here of what God has promised. And earthly fathers, we need to be true to our word. And if we promise something, we need to be a promise keeper as well. Our Heavenly Father is a problem solver. And what kind of problems can he solve? Every one of them. And earthly fathers, we try to solve all the problems, you know, as best as we know how. And you know what? Our heavenly father, he is present with us, ever present. And that's what we want. We want to be there for our kids. Now, maybe we've missed the mark. Maybe we haven't always been all these things to our kids as we should have. But that's God's role model for us, you know. And now, like father, like sons, like father, like daughter. Quite often, we know 
not that God is near. We wish we knew he was there, but we don't know it. The Amazon River is the largest river in the world. The mouth, which is amazing, the mouth is 90 miles across the Amazon River. And there's enough water to exceed the combined flow of the Yancey, Mississippi, and Nile River. That's just the Amazon River. It's, it's bigger than all those other three. So much water comes from the Amazon that they can detect the current from the Amazon 200 miles out into the Atlantic Ocean. One irony of ancient navigation is that sailors in, e in ancient times died for lack of water. Caught in windless waters of the South Atlantic, they were adrift, helpless, and dying of thirst. You know, out there in that salt water, sometimes other ships from South America who knew the area would come alongside and call out, what's your problem? And they would exclaim, can you spare some water? Our sailors are dying of thirst. And from the other ship would come the cry, just lower your buckets. You're in the mouth of the great mighty Amazon River. The irony of ancient Israel and the tragedy around us today is that God, that fountain of living water, is right here and people don't recognize him. Here men were dying in a ship for the lack of fresh water and they were in the mouth of the Amazon River that was fresh and they were dying of thirst. And lots of times people don't know how much our Heavenly Father loves us. I'm going to tell you, Heavenly Father is not mad at you. He loves you and he's crazy about you. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus gave his lifeblood in our place that our sins would be forgiven. Jesus rose from the dead and he's back with the Father and he awaits our arrival. But he is present with us to help us every step of our journey because he's just crazy about us. He loves us, you know. What would ever bother you if you knew that God was always with you. If you were convinced that God is always with you, what would ever bother you? I don't think anything would. Psalms 46 verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, is our refuge, and He is our strength. And the Scripture says He's our ever-present help. He never leaves. He never takes a nap. He never takes a vacation. He never leaves for go get him a snack or something. He's our ever-present help in trouble, so the Bible says. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, You have made known to me the path of life. You've made known to me the path of life. There's a lot of paths, and, and they don't lead to life. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. In the presence of God, that's where joy is at. Psalm 16, verse 11. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. If you'll remember Paul and Silas when they were in prison, in their pain and in their trouble, they became aware of God's presence and they began to sing to him and God shook the prison and set everybody free. 
Jehoshaphat became more aware of God's presence than the hundreds of thousands of enemy soldiers that was coming against them. And God gave them great victory. Are you aware of the presence of God? Are you aware that there's fresh water all around when you think it's just salt water and sharks? <laughs> Are you aware? A pastor made a visit to a saintly old man and the pastor said, I see, I'm not the first visitor as he saw a chair pulled close to the old man's bed. And the old man explained, he, he said, uh, he always made this habit of keeping an empty chair in his room so when he would talk to Jesus as his friend, it helped him feel his presence. As time progressed, the old man died, and the family were all upset that the old man was alone when he died. They knew it was time, but they just felt bad that he was alone. And the son told the pastor, he said his hand was resting on that empty chair when he died. And the pastor said, your dad told me that that chair was there, so... When he was talking to God, it helped him feel his presence. He was not alone. He was not alone. Listen to what the scripture says here. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them, as he comes to us, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I want you to go all the world and make disciples, make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them, all nations, to follow me and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Hmm. Think about that. You know, uh, I was reading about dads. And uh, in June 2001, this guy was talking me, he says, my, my son Jordan and I were working on our driveway using a chisel and a hammer to remove old asphalt and then patching it with new asphalt. And we were both tired, so our accuracy may have declined a little bit. And at one point, Jordan pounded his finger with a hammer. And he jumped up in agony, holding back tears as he ran to go get some ice. And I realized no one was in the house to help him, so I ran after him. And as soon as I got near the house, I heard him screaming in pain. And I tried to calm him down and to get some ice on that tender spot, but he was just in too much pain to settle down. He hated the ice, <laughs> icing down a wound as much as he hated the pain from the wound. Finally, I put some ice in a bowl and filled it with water. And my son agreed to put his hand in the bowl as long as I put my hand in the bowl also. So we sat down on the cold tile kitchen floor with both of us having a hand in the ice water. Occasionally, we would take our hands out to let the feeling returned, and after 10 minutes, Jordan started to feel better. I'm glad you're here, he said to his dad. And I was reminded 
that as a pastor or even a father, I can seldom take the pain away, but my presence can somehow make it tolerable. And you know, dads, that's what we do. We're just there. We can't change everything. We try to. We try to be the answer man for everything, but be there. Just be there. If it's just soaking your hand, it's not even hurt. While your son soaks his, it is hurt. We honor you. And may he inspire others who are not fathers yet, but you will be someday. And you'll recognize what a father really is. He just loves. And we can learn about fatherhood from our heavenly father, who's just crazy, crazy about us. But you know what? One of the greatest things that you and I can do for our family, dads, one of the greatest things we can do is give them the assurance that they will see us again one day. I'd like you to read you this last article. At the funeral of Ronald Reagan, his son, Michael, described the greatest gift a child can ever receive. Michael said, I was so proud to be Ronald Reagan's son. What a great honor. He gave me a lot of gifts as a child. He gave me a horse and a car, a lot of things. But there's a gift he gave me that I think is wonderful. But there's a gift he gave me that I think is wonderful for every father to give every son. Last Saturday, when Ronald Reagan closed his eyes for the last time, that's when I realized the gift that he gave to me, the gift that he was going to be with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He had back in 1988 on a flight from Washington, D.C., he told me about his love of God, his love of Christ as his Savior. I didn't know then what it all meant, but I certainly, certainly know now. I can't think of a better gift for a father to give a son. And I hope to honor my father by giving my son, Cameron, and my daughter, Ashley, that very same gift that he gave to me. I know where my father is this very moment and that he is in heaven. And I can only promise my father this. Dad, when I die, I will go to heaven too. And you and I and my sister, Maureen, who went, before us will dance with the heavenly hosts of angels before the presence of God and we will do it melanoma and Alzheimer free. What he was saying there in a nutshell, dads, if you don't make time for God in your life and you pass, there's nothing I can do as a pastor to comfort you, your family, if you let them know that you had no time for God. But you assure your, your family, your children, that you have welcomed Christ in your life. Because he says he's knocking at the door of our heart, and we hear him knocking. We open the door and welcome him in. He'll come in. Write our name in the book of life. Forgive all of our sins, and we will live with him forever. It sounds too simple. I know. It sounds too simple. A lot of people think you've got to do a lot of works to get to heaven. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith not of our works, lest a man should boast about it. Because some people can do more work. Some people's got more money. 
but it's a gift. God offers us a gift of forgiveness, of eternal life. And the Bible says all we've got to do, if we'll confess with our mouth, Romans chapter uh, 10 there, it says, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. That's that simple. So dads, one of the great gifts you can give your family, your children, is give them the assurance. If you pass on before they do, give them the assurance that you're going to be part of that great, great family reunion one day. It's the truth. You read this book, you'll see it over and over and over again. It becomes clear and plain. It surely does. Well, what I'd like to do is to pray for you dads. Wherever you're at, in your home, you know, maybe you're traveling, maybe you're on vacation somewhere, maybe you're out of the state, but I want to pray for you dads or dads to be in the future or those who just got in the heart of a dad. Papa God, I lift up these men to you and ask that you'd encourage them. And may the words we talked about out of your word and the stories we've read be an inspiration to them. And may they find like father, like son, that they'll become more and more like you and be an inspiration of courage to their children. Bless these men, almighty God. Provide all the things that they have need of. Oh, Papa God, we know we've all missed the mark, fallen so far short and feel really bad about it. I ask that you would forgive and you would cleanse every heart and every mind so we can go forward knowing that you have forgiven and cleansed us and we can move closer to you and be an inspiration to our children. Help our lives to honor you, almighty God, and help our lifestyle to honor our earthly dads, whether they're here or if they're already with you. Bless these men, we ask. And as our heads are bowed, I would ask you, if you don't know Jesus right now, would you pray with me and welcome Jesus into your life unapologetically? Would you pray? A prayer very similar to the first prayer I prayed when I welcomed him into my life. Would you join me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he gave his lifeblood for me. I believe he rose from the dead after paying for my sins and that he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide the door of my heart and I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways, and I choose this day that I will live for you. In the name of Jesus.